Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, of all the questions that we can ask ourselves and of all the questions I'm going to place before you today, I think that they can all be summarized with this one. Is Jesus really who he says he is? Just think about how you answer that for a moment. Is Jesus really who he says he is? I have a confession to make. Sometimes being at church is hard. Sometimes reading God's word is hard. Sometimes all the time. Not sinning is hard. Sometimes believing that Jesus really is who he says he is, is hard. This whole life of being a Christian is not an easy one. In fact, it's the hardest thing in the world to be. If you look at all of the promises that God gives to us in his word, you're not going to find very many that will tell you that being a Christian means life will be so much easier, free of anything difficult. You're not going to find many verses that tell you you're not going to struggle with your faith, with doubt and temptation and fear and sin and all the ways of the world that want to lead you away from Christ. It's no surprise then that we're always hearing things like the church the Christian church across the world, for the most part, is getting smaller. It's no wonder that when you have people struggling with God and who he is or isn't, that hard questions are raised. If God is so good, why is there so much pain and suffering in this world? If God is a God of love, why can't I choose to love whoever I want? Why does it have to be between a man and a woman? Don't you think God wants me to be happy? If God created everything in six days, why does science tell us the world took billions of years to form? If God is a God of love, why is there hell? You can add your own questions to this list, but these might be some of the more common ones you hear in this world. And so another question that we can ask of ourselves today is the same question that Jesus asked the disciples after many stopped following him because his teachings were hard to understand. Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave? Do you want to quit? Do you want to turn away from your beliefs? Do you want to give up Christ? It's like Jesus shows them the door and asks if they want to walk through it, like a bunch of their friends just did. People that they had eaten bread and fish with. People that had seen the miracles of Jesus. When things got hard to understand, they walked away. When the going got tough, they decided that it was easier to walk away than to try and follow someone who was not easy to follow. That's the easy option. Do you want to go away as well? This question is similar to what Joshua called for the people of God to do in the reading from the Old Testament. Both of them are nice to read because there, 
It's not being asked directly to us. It is not us having to choose between two options, the one we know we need to make and the one that is more convenient to make. But what if this was asked of you today and a decision was called for? Could you be honest with yourself? What would happen if I, like Joshua, were to demand that you choose to serve gods of the past, gods of our present world, or admit and serve the God that we know is good? Are you ready to stop sinning, stop chasing after all the other temptations of this world, and follow Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or what if you were asked by God, do you want to go away as well? Are we willing to be honest, to look at our lives and consider the depth of our commitment to God? I wonder if who asks you the question makes the difference. I mean, if I were to ask you or another pastor were to ask me, I imagine that most of you would respond with an enthusiastic, yes, of course I recognize that God is good and all other gods are worthless. And would I ever leave God behind and go after something less demanding, less challenging, easier to understand? Well, like Peter, I would quickly reply, No, I would never, ever, ever leave you, Lord. I would rather die than deny you. But what if we were face to face with the all-powerful, all-knowing God, and he's asking you whether or not you would give up your life rather than deny him, that you would serve him and him alone faithfully all the days of your life, that wherever he leads you, you will follow without any doubt that you will put your faith, hope, and trust in no one else other than him, and that includes yourself. Would you respond to him with the same enthusiasm as you would to me? And if you answer in the same positive manner as you do to me, how do you handle the times where you don't hold up your end of the commitment? When we go back to John 6, we know that thousands of people were following Jesus. Why? Because they ate the loaves and had their fill. He was the guy providing for their physical needs. Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will live forever, and the bread I give you is my flesh. And then he says, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. Of course, there were many who struggled to understand what Jesus was saying. And the end result was that for many of them, they stopped following Jesus. Now, we shouldn't be too hard on the disciples who turned away from Christ. They didn't have the luxury that we do of seeing the whole bigger picture. Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus rising from the dead on the third day, Jesus ascending into heaven, all for the sins of the whole world so that we would not perish but have eternal life. They didn't have all of God's word written out for them in the Bible. It's a lot easier to see things clearly looking back 
than to understand them having no previous knowledge of things like this happening or people talking the way Jesus talked. For them to hear that Jesus was going to give them his body to eat and his blood to drink must have sounded a bit strange, if not completely crazy. And if we should be hard on anyone, we should be hard on those who have God's word laid out for them and still turn away. Because that's our reality. Every year, people who are your friends, even your family, who you have shared the Lord's Supper with at this very altar, eaten and drank Jesus' flesh and blood, by their actions, do the same thing as many did in the gospel reading for today. They turn and walk away from Christ. Why? Because it's the easy option. It's hard to get up Sunday mornings or give up Wednesday evenings for parts of the year. It's hard to follow the commands of God because then that means there's responsibility on my part. And if I'm responsible for something, that means I'm accountable to somebody for my actions and I don't want to be held accountable. I just don't agree with all of the things God's word says and so I don't have to follow every single rule or believe every single word in it. The book was written in a culturally different world and the world has changed and so the Bible doesn't really apply anymore. These answers, these responses though, have nothing to do with God. These answers all come from the sinful, selfish nature that all of us have in us. This is sin at work in the core of who we are. We cannot get away from it, and we cannot get rid of it on this earth. And so when given the choice between God and ourselves, we're always going to choose ourselves. And this is where one of the biggest issues we have comes from. We separate the message from the one who speaks the message. If the message is just words, then the message becomes subjective. And the truth of the message becomes relative. And we can decide to believe those words, accept them, or not. Or if the message is confusing, hard to understand, then we just abandon that message and find ones that are easier to get. And that continues to be an issue because when we separate the message of God from God himself and we decide to pick and choose our own messages, the things we want to follow, then we've just made ourselves God. And I don't know about you, but the last time I looked in the mirror, I did not see God's gift to the world. I did not see the Savior who came to save his people from their sins. Every time I look in the mirror, I see someone who listens to his own voice rather than the voice of God. I see a sinner in need of saving, in need of saving every single day. If I continue to put my trust in myself and in my own voice, I have no salvation because there is no salvation found in anyone apart from Christ. That's what Luke writes in Acts chapter 4. 
My words, my actions do not get me to heaven. And if Jesus asks me if I want to leave too, I'll probably say yes, because that's where my sin leads me. That's why Peter's response to Jesus' question is so great. He doesn't separate the message from the one giving the message. And in fact, it's the opposite way around. Because Jesus is God, the Holy One of God, the words he gives are the words of eternal life. And Peter was able to say this because God had given him faith. Just like when Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, Jesus tells him that it's God the Father who has revealed this to him, not himself, God. And those are the only words we can trust, not our own, but God's. And when we look at Jesus, the bread of life, who has the words of eternal life, we see Jesus tell the people to eat of his flesh and blood. We see him later give his flesh and blood to us in his supper. That same flesh and blood is what he sacrificed on the cross for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. And it is the same flesh and blood that rose from the dead for us and for our salvation. Faith that believes these words has been given to us by God the Father, who sent the Son, who sent the Spirit to work in our lives of faith. And so if you are here today believing in Jesus Christ and in his words, it is only because the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, giving you the gift of faith. And if Jesus has given us his flesh and blood to eat and drink, and he tells us to do it, then we should probably do it, right? That's why you come back next week, to hear these words again, because these are the words of eternal life. And don't take my words for it. Take Jesus' words. But even more so, take Jesus' actions. Because saying one will die and rise from the dead is much different than actually dying and rising from the dead. Jesus did both, and he is the only one in the history of all creation ever to do this. And that's because Jesus really is who he says he is. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.